The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father, he said to his disciples, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said these things to you to keep you from stumbling. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, an hour is coming when those who kill you will think that by doing so they are offering worship to God. And they will do this because they have not known the Father or me. But I have said these things to you, so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you about them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. We continue in the book of Acts to witness how the early church grew so quickly and so effectively. It's all about witness. We hear that Paul goes way out of his way from the safe confines of Israel to this town called Philippi. And along the way, he encountered many obstacles, but the Spirit was guiding him and directing him, as we saw in the first reading from Saturday's Mass. He wanted to go first to Asia, but the Spirit said no and redirected him to Macedonia. Why? Because Macedonia would be the gateway to Europe, and Europe the gateway to the world. Paul obeyed the Holy Spirit and went down to Troas, and there he hears and sees a vision of a man crying out for help from Macedonia, saying, come here and help us. And Paul obeyed, and that's how, in today's first reading, he ends up in Philippi, because Philippi is a leading city in the district of Macedonia. Notice that Philippi is a pagan city, it's a Roman colony, so again, Paul is going way out of his way to bring the gospel, the good news. It's an important lesson for us as Catholics that the Catholic parish is meant not to be insulated, but rather to go out to the wider community, as far as it can, actually, now that we have technology, so that the good news can be proclaimed to everyone. Our popes in the past have called the wider community, especially the fringes, the court of the Gentiles. That's a phrase that comes from the Old Testament where the temple had a particular place, a court, when the Gentiles could meet and engage in religious discussion with the rabbis. It was a step toward faith in the Jewish God that they were seeking really in their hearts well, that's what really in our culture today we're called to do, to go out to the court of the Gentiles for our secular culture. And that's what Paul is doing here, and he's showing us the way. He's obeying the Holy Spirit. He goes to a place of prayer because there's probably not a synagogue in Philippi. It was such a pagan town. He finds a place of prayer, and there's women there who are praying. They're women of faith. They haven't yet come into the community. They're not yet Jews. They haven't come into the Christian church, but they have an 
inclination that there is a God. And that's where Paul begins. And notice that Lydia is there. It's ironic because our first reading tells us that Lydia was from the city of Thyatira. That is actually in Asia. So when Paul obeys the Holy Spirit and goes to Europe, Asia actually comes to him in the form of this woman. And that's who he engages. She was a worshiper of God and listened to Paul's preaching. And then we see that the Holy Spirit is active. Paul does his part, but it's really the Holy Spirit that opens her heart. So when we do our part, God certainly is doing his. And she's converted. The interplay between our efforts and God's grace, God's providence, is very important. It means that we don't have to have all the answers. What we do need is zeal and obedience and trust in God. We proclaim the good news. God does the rest. As soon as she's converted, she's the head of the household. She may have been a widow at the time, but a household for the ancient world was not like it is today. Today we have the nuclear family, if that. Here in the first reading, that household would include the extended family and employees and probably slaves. So it would be a, quite a gathering. She has them all baptized. In other words, she brings everyone in with her. She immediately becomes an evangelist herself. And then she says to Paul, in fact, she prevails upon him to come and stay in her home. She likely wants more catechesis for herself and her family. Now, this is an important move in the Acts of the Apostles because Lydia is a dealer in purple cloth. That would be quite a wealthy trade. A woman of means, a businesswoman, probably has a lot of contacts. So here Paul, by obeying God, not going to Asia, but going here to the gateway of Europe, he sets down a foothold, a base, in this woman and her household. Who knows, it might have become a house church. That's how early Christians gathered. They didn't have temples and churches like we do today. And she is from a long line of important women in the scriptures who did obey God and God opened their hearts. In the Old Testament, like Judith and Esther and Jael, Ruth, Hannah, and of course, most especially the Blessed Virgin Mary. Yesterday, Sunday was Mother's Day. Again, happy Mother's Day to all of you. This role that you have, this vocation as mothers, are extremely important. And especially if you open your hearts to God in the leading of his grace. Just as he led St. Paul, he wants to lead all of you. The domestic church of the family today is crucial. As St. Pope John Paul II said, the future of the church and the world passes through the family. And we can also, now that we have technology, perhaps open our homes to faith-sharing groups. And if COVID ever gets over, maybe invite people into your home to pray together and have fellowship. That's what we need, these small little house church groups where there's more intimacy and we can really get to know each other. It's important to have people who are deep in their faith that we can rely on for prayer fellowship, advice, and guidance, and accountability. All that comes with a small faith-sharing group. In today's Gospel, 
The same theme is apparent, except this is a little earlier because this is the Last Supper and Jesus is with his 12. These are going to be the first bishops of the church. And what does he do? He says, you are called to be witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the advocate, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me. Now there's an important point. We can really only be witnesses when we first spent time with God in that intimate quiet of our contemplative hearts and we allow God to do his work. Then when we witness, we have something to actually share. Not just ourselves, but Christ working in and through us. And there's many witnesses in John's Gospel. It's a whole court scene from beginning to end. There's witnesses lined up on either side. For example, in the prologue, we have John the Baptist who bear witness to the light, Jesus Christ, and he gives his life as a martyr. We have the woman at the well. When she encounters Christ, she goes and shares to her whole town. The crowd that witnessed Lazarus when he was raised by Jesus witnesses and testifies. We're called to do the same. And that's how the church will grow. That's only how the church will grow. Let us ask the Lord into our hearts in this way. Rely on the Holy Spirit, trust in God, and do our part. And then God will work through us, and we will do things that Jesus said himself at the Last Supper. If you open your hearts to the Holy Spirit, you will do greater things than I did, because I go to the Father, and I will send the Holy Spirit to live within you. And that's what we're called to do. So may God bless you as we continue our journey in this life of witness.